today on Summit Life with J.D. Greer. We either believe the Bible that Jesus is ours and he's the greatest possession, or we don't believe that. Being blessed and highly favored does not mean living a life without suffering and bad situation and parking spaces miles from the mall. It means having the presence and unalterable promises of God in those situations. And thanks for joining us here on Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer. As always, I'm your host, Molly Vitovich. All right, Christmas Day is inching closer, and we pray that your week has been full of joy and anticipation as we celebrate with family and friends this season. You know, as Christians, we tend to use the term blessed pretty loosely. When something good happens, we say that we're blessed. Or when we start on a new venture, we pray for God's blessings. But what do we actually mean? Is our understanding of that word actually biblical? Those are the questions we are tackling today as Pastor J.D. continues his short teaching series called God With Us. We're looking at how Mary talked about blessing when she was pregnant with Jesus in Luke chapter one. Verse 46, Mary sang, this is in poetry, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Four questions I wanna ask about this song. Number one, would you have thought of Mary as blessed? Number two, what was the nature of her blessing? Number three, what was the basis of her blessing? And then we'll consider, are you living as one who is blessed and highly favored? Okay, so question number one, would you have thought of Mary as blessed? Would you have said, there's somebody blessed and highly favored? You ought to think about the situation that she is in in her life. Her reputation had been irrevocably ruined. A teenage girl pregnant out of wedlock in that culture was a serious scandal. By the way, the angel did not even tell Joseph about this pregnancy until several months later, which means that Mary had to endure this almost all by herself. Plus, she was very, very poor. If you were looking at Mary based on the externals, would you have called her blessed? No, but in the core of her being, she is carrying God. And she is going to give birth to a savior that is going to reconcile the world to God. Her blessing consists of two things, and this is question number two. What was the nature of her blessing? There are two things in this song I wanna highlight for you. A, presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Notice how much she speaks about God in the first person. Verse 46, God is my savior. Verse 48, he has looked on me. Verse 52, I was lowly and you exalted me. Verse 53, I was hungry and you fed me. Yet nothing, when she is making this statement, nothing has changed in her circumstances, has it? At this point, Christ in her 
is her only exaltation. Christ in her, the baby in her womb, is her only fullness. Christ is her only sustenance. The presence of God in her, her only salvation. Letter B, promise. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, just like he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Christ was the fulfillment of a promise that God gave to Abraham to bless him and to make him a blessing. Did you know it had been 2,000 years since God made that promise? And I'm sure there were many people who thought that by this point God had forgotten about it because things were not going well for Israel. Did you know it had been 400 years since God had spoken to Israel? What Mary says is, oh no, God had not forgotten. In all things, he was working just like he promised to bring forth Jesus which was a greater blessing than any of us dreamed. You see, in the same way he's working in and through you, sometimes invisibly, sometimes silently, sometimes in your 400 years of darkness to bring forth Jesus from you. God takes everything. That's the promise, good and bad. It's not to turn all the bad into good right now. It's that he is taking all the bad and good to make you into what he wants you to be, which is somebody... In the, in, in the form of Jesus Christ to make you like Jesus and then to make you a vehicle of his blessing to others because that is the greatest blessing. And there are times that God prospers you and he does that for a reason so that you can spread what he's giving you. But I also want you to understand that God allows his people to share in the cross because it is in the cross that God does his best work. Don't be surprised when it happens. And don't think you're not blessed and highly favored because you are blessed and highly favored, not because all the circumstances in your life is good, but because of the presence and the promise of God. One of our campus pastors, Rod Dale, told me that his dad three weeks ago was diagnosed with stage three cancer. He said, the prognosis, he says, to be honest with you, is not good. He said, but to watch my dad, who is a very committed Christian, to watch the difference between him and many of the people that he's around It has grown in such sharp contrast, the difference in his hope and their hope, that he is able in these last three weeks to say things more loudly, if you will, than he ever said through any of his sermons. He said last weekend at the church where he is a leader, he told the congregation, he said, I know it's okay to cry and to hurt. There's been a lot of that in my family. He said, but folks, we either believe the Bible or we don't. We either believe the Bible that Jesus is ours and he's the greatest possession. We either believe the Bible that he is working in this to make us a testimony to others or we don't believe that. Being blessed and highly favored does not mean living a life without suffering and bad situation and parking spaces miles from the mall. It means having the presence and unalterable promises of God in those situations. It means having a life that God is conforming to the image of Jesus Christ, and it means that he's using you to give people a glimpse of what is by far the greatest blessing, which is not to drive a BMW or live in a great house. It's to know God. You understand? That's the blessing. The blessing is knowing God, bearing God in you, and being able to lead others to God. So when you understand that, you say, if God chooses to give me prosperity, then I'm going to leverage it to help people know him. And when he gives me a cross, I'm also going to leverage that to, so that people can know him. And I'm going to say that I'm blessed and highly favored the whole time because the blessing is not something God gives me. The blessing is God himself. Now, let me be clear with you two things I'm not saying with that because I don't want you to be confused. I'm not saying that God is behind every instance of suffering in your life the same way he was with Mary. 
But I can tell you that in every situation you're in, God is working all that to make you more like Jesus and to use you as a blessing to others. I'm also not saying that God never gives us earthly tokens of his goodness. Scripture is filled with examples of him giving earthly tokens. Sometimes it's financial blessing. Sometimes it's blessings in our family. God's a dad and God loves to give his his kids good gifts. What I am saying is that you shouldn't be surprised in those times, however, when he appoints us the cross as a way of bringing salvation to others. Just like he used the cross with Jesus to bring salvation to us. In those times, you are still blessed and highly favored. God does both in your life, but it seems that his most preferred method for sending the gospel out into the world is the cross. And so you should not be surprised when it happens. You should realize that that is part of the blessing because he's making you a blessing to others. And I realize that that is not popular. I realize it's much more popular for me to stand up here and say, Follow God, and you'll always get the close parking space at the mall. Follow God because he's got a heap and help and a blessings coming your way. But see, my friend, that's just not what the Bible says. And you gotta make a choice whether or not you're gonna believe the actual gospel or a gospel made up by money-hungry American pastors who are trying to exalt the blessings of God over God himself. God has more blessing for you than you. every promise of God is yes in Christ Jesus. If I had 10,000 lives to live, I would give every single one of them to Jesus Christ. God has filled my life with almost every blessing imaginable. But I also understand that there are places in my life and maybe one day my whole life where God will say, I'm going to make you into the image of Jesus and I'm gonna do that by allowing you to suffer. And when you suffer, it doesn't mean that you're no longer blessed and highly favored. In fact, in that moment, like Mary, that might be when you are most blessed and highly favored. You gotta choose. You gotta choose whether you're gonna follow a made up God or the actual Jesus. Because if Mary is our example of what it means to be blessed, when you say, how are you? And if I say, you say blessed and highly favored, you ought to at least be willing to walk the path that Mary walked. Number three, what was the basis of her blessing? You should notice in this song that there's very little in this song about Mary, just a couple of lines. The rest is about God. God's character, God's presence, God's promises. There is nothing you should note in here about Mary's personal worthiness. You see, there's a belief that some hold that Mary, and that is that Mary was sinless, that Mary is somebody you should pray to. In fact, there's a little subtle difference in language. In fact, it's so subtle you hardly notice it, but people will say, blessed is Mary above women. Not one time in the Bible does it ever say, blessed are you above women. It says, blessed are you among women. To believe that Mary is sinless, to believe that she is someone who is part of the saving that happened to us goes completely against the spirit of this song. Mary says, God is my savior. Mary sees herself not as full of righteousness, but as guilty, unworthy, empty, hungry, and weak, in need of mercy, in need of help, in need of strength, in need of a savior. That's why she says, verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary was not amazing, Jesus was amazing. So her soul magnified him, not herself. And for you to idolize her misses the point of her song. You see, you can only light, your life can only magnify one thing, 
And if you're gonna magnify your virtue, you're gonna miss the righteousness of God because the gospel is that you were sinless, so God saved you. You were weak, so God helped you. You were dead, so God went into a grave and resurrected from the dead so that he could be your life, your righteousness, your wisdom, your power, your help. He could be all of it so that the glory would go to him and not to any other human being. And it is a betrayal of the gospel itself when you don't learn from Mary's life that Mary's point is not about Mary, it is about God. God is the righteousness. God is the holy one. God is the savior. God is the merciful one. God is mighty. Thanks for listening to Summit Life with J.D. Greer. There's more teaching in just a moment, but before we return, let me tell you about our latest resource created exclusively for our Summit Life listeners. It's time for our annual day planner. Yes, it's back again. This is one of our most popular resources each year and for good reason. See, there's nothing magical about January 1st, but it does present a natural opportunity for reflection and direction. It's a great time to take stock of your life and set some goals for ways that you want to grow in the coming months. Maybe you wanna start reading your Bible every day, or maybe you want to get better at making time for ministry. Maybe a relationship needs some time and energy. Whatever it may be, we hope that this planner will be a great tool to help you prioritize your time and meet these goals. Reserve your copy with a generous end-of-year gift today by calling 866-335-5220 or visit us online at jdgreer.com. Now let's rejoin our teaching on Summit Life with Pastor J.D. You see, Jesus would later take similar ideas in Mary's song, and he would say it this way, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit have nothing, right? That's why they're called poor in spirit. Therefore, they're eligible for the righteousness of God. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn in their guiltiness. Because they understand their guiltiness, they're ready for me to forgive them. Blessed are those who are weak and helpless and dead because I will give them life and strength and help and life. Now, given all this, given this definition, number four, are you living as one who is blessed and highly favored? Are you living as one who is blessed and highly favored? Notice this, in Mary's song, those whom you would naturally think of as blessed are not. Look at verse 51. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. There were thoughts in Greek. Some translations say imaginations. You know what a translation in our vernacular is? Dreams. People who had all their dreams come true. Are they blessed? When verse 51, he scattered them. Verse 52, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones. They were at the top of their class. They were at the highest point in their career. They were the rulers of the world, yet God brought them down. Verse 53, and the rich he has sent away empty. There's nothing wrong with dreams, riches, positions of power. The problem is when you magnify them, when they become your source of delight, when they become your source of identity, when they become your source of pride, at that point you have given them glory and your soul no longer magnifies the Lord. So often it is, listen, that earthly blessings become curses because they take us away from the true blessing, which is the presence and the promises of God. You understand that failures for you can become the gateway for you to know the true meaning of blessed and highly favored, which is the presence and the promises of God and not any earthly success. God's greatest gift to you can be a failure because it puts you in a place where you need to feast upon God. Here's a question I ask myself all the time. What do you rejoice in? You see, Jesus made a statement to um, his disciples. He said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. Let me translate that. 
Don't rejoice that you're successful in whatever it is you're doing. You rejoice that you know me. And if you ever let the former, the success, keep you from the latter, it will have become a curse to you. God's greatest blessings may be in the form of failures because it doesn't mean that God is no longer favoring you. That might be the way that he favors you. What do you magnify? Here's how you know. It's very simple. It's whatever you rejoice in. You see, verse 46, Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. The two statements, magnify and rejoice, they're connected. Whatever you magnify, you rejoice in. So here's the question for you. What has to be true in your life for you to have joy? When you look into the future, be honest, what has to be there for you to have joy? Because that's what you magnify. I've told you before that joy functions something like a smoke alarm in your heart. Joy or the absence of joy or what you take joy in shows you the true state of your heart. If you are a person who this morning is not joyful, regardless of your situation, it shows you that your soul is magnifying something besides God. If you are a person who has difficulty finding joy in God when you find it very natural to have joy in other things, it shows you that the fundamental state of your heart has grown cold and corrupt. You see, I'm talking to senior adults here who genuinely could not give two cents about the gospel. But man, you know you sure feel good when your grandkids come over. And praise God for your grandkids, but your soul magnifies them and it doesn't magnify God your savior. I'm talking to men who are here this weekend because your wife dragged you here. You're not into the songs. You don't get joy from the message. But later on this weekend, you're gonna be watching that team that you love and they're gonna run some ball across a made-up line, or they're gonna stuff a leather ball through an iron hoop, and you're gonna jump up, and you're gonna yell and scream because you magnify the pursuits of a team of a bunch of guys you don't even know, their, you know, know them personally, but you don't rejoice in God your Savior. You don't find joy in the things of the gospel. There's no joy in that. That tells you something's wrong. I'm not yelling at you saying, put on an act. That's the last thing I'm telling you. I'm saying, look at what it says about your heart. I'm talking to young ladies who have no joy when they read the Bible. If you read it at all, it's a discipline. You kind of get through it every day. But man, you sure light up when there's a sale at the mall. You'll spend hours online looking at clothes you cannot afford, but you can't spend 15 sustained minutes conversing with the God who cared about you enough that he became man so that he would die and save you. And that shows you something's wrong. You see, what you magnify, magnify is very similar to the Hebrew word for glory. The word for glory, I've told you this, is the word kabod. Kabod means weight. To magnify something is to give it weight. To give glory to something is to give it weight. What is so weighty in your heart that it causes you joy and is so weighty that you couldn't imagine being happy without it? Because that is what you're rejoicing in. Here is Mary in the worst possible circumstances rejoicing because she is blessed and highly favored in the presence and the promises of God. And that is magnified in her heart. I think Mary might have been familiar with and maybe even quoting partially the words of Habakkuk. And I'll say, tell you this and then we're done. Habakkuk 3.17, listen to this. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, Though the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Stop, let me tell you what, let me translate that. That's a Hebrew way of saying everything's gone wrong. The stocks have plummeted, the job has been lost, the wife has left, 
The kids have forgotten. Everybody has forgotten. Everything has gone wrong. All of it's gone. Yet I will rejoice in what? The Lord. Not what the Lord gives me, but the Lord himself. Not what he is going to do for me, but what he has become to me. I will rejoice in the Lord who is holy, merciful, and mighty, has reconciled himself to me, taken up residence in me, give me promises that can never be revoked and a presence that will never be taken away. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. Not that he will give me strength, but that he is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers running through fields of poverty. He makes me tread on high places to walk right over top of those mountains of pain. Sometimes God takes out the mountain of pain and sometimes he gives you these kind of feet that walk over the mountains of pain because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and you're rejoicing in the presence and promises of God. My favorite part of these verses is the way verse 18 opens. You hear this? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Can you hear a determination in that? What it means is after verse 17, I don't feel like rejoicing. Habakkuk's not superhuman. Mary's not superhuman. I'm not superhuman. You don't go through a situation like verse 17 and come out with a giddy little smile on your face, feeling like everything's okay. And sometimes it means you choose. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord because everything's falling apart, but I'm going to choose to rejoice and believe in the presence and promises of God because either he's telling the truth or he's not. You see, I told you this last week, but there are some of you here that at Christmas time, this is the worst Christmas ever for you. For the first time in your life, you're going through Christmas without a loved one. Maybe it was a mom, a dad, maybe it was a son or a daughter that's not with you this Christmas, and they were last Christmas, and it's going to be unbelievably difficult for you. Maybe this is the umpteenth Christmas in a row for you that you're going into it single, and you thought by now it would be different. Yet, I will rejoice in God, my Savior. I will choose to believe in the presence and the promises of God. They never change. And he's greater than any other blessing he gives. He is the blessing. And with him, I can listen, give up all that I have. Because in him, I have all that I need. God's presence and promises are with you. It's a gift. It's his blessing upon us. Have you received it this Christmas? A countercultural message from Pastor J.D. Greer today on Summit Life. Well, Pastor J.D., this time of year is really critical for ministries like Summit Life as we close the books on another year. And I think for a lot of people, that's kind of surprising because they don't really know what all is involved in funding a ministry like this. Yeah, Molly, did you know that we are now in 42 different states on the air in 42 different states in the United States? All right. Uh, And praise God for that. Uh, You know, radio is one of those things that unless you're involved in the industry, you probably don't realize how much goes into producing these programs. I mean, there's obviously just the, you know, kind of what we're doing now, the production of it and the recording of it and the editing and all that kind of stuff. But then there's also just the main thing is, is the, uh, what it costs to be on the air. You're not hearing commercials during these things. It's listener funded, which means it's your generosity that allows us to be on the air. And that's, that's kind of how the gospel should go forward, right? I mean, it's the people who are listening to it shouldn't be the ones paying for it. It's those of us who know the gospel. We're the ones who 
are investing into a ministry like we know Jesus has invested into us so that others can hear. So we would love to have you join us in that mission. It could be a a, a one-time generous year-end gift. It could be becoming a gospel partner. Maybe you already are a gospel partner and God will put it in your heart to consider adding an extra year-end gift or to increase your monthly giving. What a privilege that you and I get to be a part of this and get to share an eternal inheritance with those uh, who are blessed and benefited by our generosity. I want you to consider, if you would, becoming a partner with us to reach even more people with the gospel. As always, go to jdgreer.com slash donate, and you can find all the information on how to do that there. We can't wait to have you join the family. Ask for a copy of the 2024 Summit Life Planner when you give a one-time donation today of $35 or more. But don't forget about the opportunity to also become a monthly gospel partner as well. Call 866-335-5220. That's 866-335-5220 or give online at jdgreer.com. I'm Molly Vitovich. Be sure to join us next time when we are wrapping up our teaching series called God With Us, Friday on Summit Life with J.D. Greer. Today's program was produced and sponsored by J.D. Greer Ministries.